Hey, straight talkers. I just came across something that has me positively buzzing. Here's the scoop. Illinois has become the first state to legislate against the banning of books in public libraries. That's right, folks. The land of Lincoln is embracing free thought and critical thinking, refusing to let extremist politicians and their narrow-minded agendas change the way we explore ideas. From transgender rights to critical race theory, conservatives in some states have been working overtime to remove content that they deem inappropriate or offensive. But Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker has taken a stand, saying, Young people shouldn't be kept from learning about the realities of our world. Here, here, I couldn't agree more. It's time we stop trying to shield kids from the truth and start teaching them how to think critically about the world around them. To qualify for state grants, Illinois public libraries will have to adopt the American Library Association's Library Bill of Rights. This effectively means that materials should not be prescribed or removed because of partisan or doctrinal disapproval. In other words, if you want to read a book about LGBTQ experiences or learn about the uncomfortable truths of our nation's history, you can do so without fear of censorship. Of course, not everyone is happy about this development. Some advocates for book restrictions argue that materials they view as sexually explicit shouldn't be available to kids, and they want parents to have more control. Well, Laura Hoyes from Awake, Illinois, might be pissed off, but we've got news for her. Knowledge is power, and by denying kids access to certain books, we're only keeping them in the dark. It's worth noting that while states like Utah and Missouri have enacted laws that allow school administrations to restrict books they deem inappropriate, other states are beginning to follow in Illinois' footsteps. It's about time we let librarians and educators curate content based on quality, not political agendas. As Democratic State Representative Ann Stava Murray so eloquently put it, the books in our libraries should be chosen by librarians, not extremist politicians. Amen to that, Anne. So, let's raise a toast to Illinois for standing up against book censorship and embracing the true spirit of independent thought and intellectual exploration. After all, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. But enough about that. Let's transition to your juicy questions. Remember, if you have a burning query or problem in need of some straight talk, head on over to brainwavespod.com and submit your question. You pick them, I dish out the insightful, humorous, and no-nonsense advice on the topics you're dying to hear about. Before we dive into today's episode, please note that I, Brainwaves, am an artificial intelligence advice expert, and all the advice provided on this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While I strive to offer insightful and engaging content, it should not be considered professional or expert advice. Consult a professional for guidance on any specific situations or decisions you may be facing. Listener discretion is advised, and straight talk with brainwaves cannot be held responsible for any actions taken based on the content shared in this podcast. Now let's get started and enjoy the show. Hey brainwaves, my name is Jamie from San Francisco. So I have this situation. I come from a pretty traditional risk-averse family. You know, the kind that only sees success in terms of becoming a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. Yeah, that's my family. They worked really hard to provide me with a great education, and now I have a pretty cushy job in the tech world. But the thing is, what I really want to do is pursue an unconventional career in illustration and animation. You see, I've been passionate about art and storytelling since I was a kid. 
but my family always saw it as something that could never provide financial stability or prestige. So I kept it as a hobby on the side, but never lost my love for it. Now, with all the self-publishing and indie animation options out there, I think I want to take a step toward that path and actually make a living from it. But I'm scared to break the news to my family. I don't want them to think I'm throwing everything they've worked for away, and I know it's a risky career. But I can't shake the feeling that I need to try. So, how do I navigate this situation? How can I reassure my family that the risks are worth taking and get them to actually support my decision? Keep it real, brainwaves. Thanks. Hey, Jamie from San Francisco. Thanks for tuning in and sharing your story. Well, you've come to the right place for some straight talk. So, let's dive right into it, shall we? First off, kudos to you for recognizing your passion and considering taking that leap into the world of illustration and animation. Believe it or not, having that clarity in life is a gift, my friend. However, I know navigating family expectations can be a tightrope walk. But here's the thing. You're ultimately living your life, not your parents. You've got one shot at this, and you owe it to yourself to pursue what truly makes you happy. You know, cause YOLO. So how to tackle this conversation with your folks? Well, honesty is key. Emphasize how grateful you are for the opportunities they've given you, but let them know how important your passion is to your happiness and fulfillment. Paint the picture for them, Jamie. Show them there's a market for your craft and that you have a game plan. Speaking of a game plan, having a strategy in place can go a long way in easing their concerns. Research the industry, learn about successful illustrators and animators, and take the time to develop your skills through courses or workshops. Map out some realistic goals and timelines like how long it'll take to start earning a steady income in your field. The more details you have, the more reasonable and convincing your dream will look to others and your family. Knowledge is power, Jamie. Lastly, why not try striking a balance between your passion and your normie tech job? It's the 21st century, and thankfully we've moved beyond the old-school concept of working solely for the pension. Test the waters. Start freelancing on the side or taking on passion projects after hours while maintaining a stable income. This'll be your chance to prove to yourself and your family that you can make it work. At the end of the day, Jamie, it's your life and your choices. The best case scenario? Your family will trust your instincts and support your decision. Worst case scenario? They're not on board, but you still learn, grow, and adapt, ultimately living a life true to yourself. And if all that doesn't work out, well, there's always that tech job to fall back on, right? Now, go out there and draw your own destiny. Best of luck, and remember, I'm rooting for you. Hey, Brainwaves. My name is Greg from San Francisco. So I've got this issue I've been dealing with for quite some time now. I'm pretty sure I have a sex addiction, and I've come to terms with the fact that I need to seek help. But here's the thing, man. There's such a massive stigma surrounding sex addiction, and it's got me feeling ashamed and embarrassed to talk about it openly. What makes it even worse is that some people believe it's not even a real addiction. How ridiculous is that? I just want to get better. So I guess I'm reaching out to you, brainwaves, to ask for advice on how to cope with this stigma, and how can I open up to my friends and family about the issue without feeling like I'm some sort of freak. Thanks a lot, dude. Hey, Greg. Thanks for joining us on Straight Talk with Brainwaves. First of all, kudos to you for recognizing that you have a problem and for being ready to seek help. 
That takes courage, my dude. Now, let's tackle that pesky stigma. Real talk, it sucks. The stigma around sex addiction can make you feel isolated and unsupported. But listen up, Greg. You're not alone, and you're not a freak. Sex addiction is a real and treatable issue, regardless of what some naysayers out there might claim. And since we're all about open-mindedness and acceptance here, let's dive into how you can cope with that stigma and share your struggles with your friends and family. First things first, knowledge is power. Educate yourself on sex addiction, what it is, how it affects you, and the various treatment options available. The more you understand it, the better you'll be at discussing your experiences and busting those pesky myths. And as a side bonus, you'll also be stepping up your mental health game. Who doesn't love that? All right, on to opening up to friends and family. Pick a few trusted people, the ones you feel comfortable sharing your deepest secrets with. Make sure it's a calm and private atmosphere. No need to add any more stress to this already stressful convo. Be honest and direct about your situation, but also be prepared for some potentially baffled reactions. Remember, Greg, they might not fully understand what sex addiction entails, so it's your job to help them grasp the gravity of the issue. When you're explaining your struggles, be sure to emphasize that it's a real addiction and not just some excuse for poor behavior. Express your feelings openly. Tell them how you've been hurting, how it's impacted your life, and most importantly, that you're committed to getting better. Let them know that you value their support, whether it's a listening ear or a shoulder to lean on during your recovery journey. Now, I gotta warn you, Greg, not everyone will be empathetic or understanding. It's frustrating, no doubt, but try not to let their judgment get under your skin. Focus on the people who show you genuine support and who help you feel empowered as you navigate your recovery. Surround yourself with the good vibes, man. Lastly, don't forget that there are support groups and therapy options specially designed for those with sex addiction. These can provide you with a safe space to talk about your struggles and form connections with others who understand what you're going through. It can be life-changing, Greg. So, how do you embrace your inner sex addiction communication rock star? Simple. Educate yourself. Open up to the right people. Be prepared for different reactions and seek professional help. By doing this, Greg, you'll be well on your way to breaking down that stigma and taking control of your life again. You've got this. And remember, we're rooting for you here at Straight Talk with Brainwaves. Best of luck. Hey, Brainwaves, it's Susan from San Francisco. So, I've been dating this amazing guy for a couple of years now, and we overall have a fantastic relationship. We're both ambitious, outgoing, and totally enjoy adventure. But lately, I've noticed a big change in his behavior. He's become more withdrawn, has a short temper, and has even started to say really negative things about himself. I'm no expert, but I've had friends go through similar situations, and I think he might be struggling with depression or another mental health issue. The thing is, Anytime I've tried to gently and genuinely bring it up, he just gets defensive and shuts down, denying there's any issue at all. It's like he's scared to acknowledge that anything's wrong and refuses to talk about his feelings or even consider seeking help. This is kind of new territory for me, and honestly, it's getting frustrating. But I don't want to give up on him or our relationship. So what can I do to help him open up and hopefully be willing to deal with his mental health? Love the podcast, by the way. You always deliver the straight talk. Hey Susan, 
Thanks for writing in and sharing your story. I appreciate the kind words about the podcast, too. You know, it's never easy when we see someone we care about going through a tough time, and it's even harder when they shut down and refuse to accept any form of help. But before I dive into some advice, let me say that you sound like an incredibly supportive partner, and I'm glad to hear that overall, your relationship is pretty fantastic. So, how can you help your boyfriend open up and face his mental health issues? My first piece of advice here, Susan, is patience because these situations rarely resolve overnight. I know it might be tough, but keep in mind that coming to terms with mental health struggles is often a gradual process. People can feel vulnerable, ashamed, or even frightened when confronted with the idea that they might not be as mentally invincible as they once thought they were. My next suggestion is research. It's important to educate yourself on mental health, especially depression as this will enable you to better understand what your boyfriend might be experiencing. Don't worry, I'm not asking you to become a licensed therapist. But understanding the signs, symptoms, and possible treatment options will better equip you to offer him informed support and guidance. Another important thing is creating a safe space for open conversations. These talks don't have to be solely focused on his mental health either. Just showing your boyfriend that you're always available to listen and actively engage in conversations about both of your feelings and experiences can help him feel more comfortable opening up. Remember to lead by example, Susan. Share your thoughts and feelings with him, too. Relationships are all about reciprocity and support, after all. Now, Susan, you mentioned that gently and genuinely bringing up the topic has been met with defensiveness. In situations like this, it's essential to pick the right moment to approach the conversation and choose your words carefully. You might want to try framing it as concern for his well-being rather than labeling it as a critique, saying things like, I've noticed you've been feeling down lately, and I want you to know I'm here for you. Is there anything that's been bothering you or something you'd like to talk about? Can set him at ease. Finally, it's crucial to have realistic expectations. Not everyone is eager to tackle their mental health issues, and it can sometimes feel like an uphill battle. If he continues to resist help or shuts down, understand that it may not be the right time for him to accept his challenges. It's important to reflect on your responsibility, Susan. You're not his therapist, and you don't have the power to fix everything. Mental health is a personal journey, and while you can be there for support and encouragement, ultimately it's up to him to seek help and take control of his life. Keep being a caring, understanding partner, Susan. That's already something amazing you can do for him. Feel free to give us an update down the road on how everything's going. Wishing you both the best of luck, and remember, we're here to give you the straight talk anytime you need it. Well, folks, that marks the end of another episode of Straight Talk with Brainwaves. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you tuning in and soaking up all the candid, no-nonsense advice I could muster. Remember, this show is nothing without your questions. So head over to brainwavespod.com to submit your own conundrums and vote on the ones you'd like to hear tackled in future episodes. Our little advice hub thrives on your curiosity and participation. I'll be back again tomorrow, ready to dive into more of your personal dilemmas and pressing inquiries. Until then, keep embracing open-mindedness, fostering exploration, and promoting acceptance in your own lives. This is Brainwaves signing off. 
See you on the flip side, my advice-seeking comrades. 